Welcome to Yoko Podcast. My name is Greg Lewis. I have the best gig in Cotisol. Why? Because I regularly have this wonderful opportunity to chat one-to-one with people I admire greatly, and today is no exception. This morning, I chatted with Elspeth Teagarden Tangue Koo. She's got... I got the crazy gene. (laughs) No, it's good, it's good. Music for this episode features music by Artie Shaw and his orchestra, including trombonist Jack Teagarden. Yes, the same Teagarden name Elsbeth's parents blessed her with at birth, and who she will be forever tied to when Jack Teagarden's workbench is passed on to her through her stepfather. On March 11th, Elsbeth will be presenting her research and lead a discussion and workshop at Gangnam University in Yongin on the topic of multicultural learners and the people who facilitate their language learning in public and private learning environments. Are you ready? Yeah, we're ready when we're ready. Exactly, yeah. Well, so um, I, I wanted to start off with um, if, if you could just talk a little bit about yourself and what brought you here. What brought you here in, in, in every sense of the word? Yeah, sure. So uh, in my intellectual life, I um, started out studying mathematics and economics at Reed College in Portland, Oregon. Um, and, uh, you know, there are reasons why people call economics the dismal science. And uh, although I really appreciated a chance to sort of use the power of mathematics to understand human behaviors and um, to understand human systems, uh, it really wasn't enough for me. Um, and so I then had life as we do, um, had some businesses not related to my intellectual interests, um, uh, had a family. And then I got that itch again that every brain gets um, and uh, did a little bit of work in uh, system science exploration, um, which really informed my understanding of the way that language and cultures and power um, and social networks are, are connected as systems. Um, and, uh, and then more family, family. Mm-hmm. And uh, I taught in education. Um, I taught for about seven years as a home educator and home education consultant um, while I was parenting. And that experience was uh, really a revelation. I sort of found within myself um, my my thing. So I understood from that experience that um, I need to work as a facilitator and um, and that that facilitation was connected to um, helping other people sort of reach their own potentials um, as thinkers and learners. 
And uh, so then I was fired by my children because they wanted to go to a traditional school. <laughs> yeah. Good for them. <laughs> Good for them. Yeah. yeah. They, they needed a, a, a more diverse um, set of experiences than what I could offer as they got older and um, really, you know, hit advanced studies um, in the high school grades. So that was good and fine. That gave me the space to turn my attention to grassroots organizing in Portland, Oregon. So I worked for several years um, in the framework of social work and social advocacy. Um, my my interest, uh, I don't know if your listeners have an understanding of what uh, the dynamics of house, houselessness is, are in um, the Western United States, but there is a outrageous sort of human imposed natural disaster of houselessness uh, that's been racking the West Coast cities for at least a decade. Um, and, you know, I saw this in my community and I saw a lot of people suffering um, needlessly. I saw a lot of empty houses. I saw Airbnb come uh, and displace even more uh, people out of affordable housing. So I, uh, I found a home in that space and worked with people building uh, houseless villages and working to self-organize in that space. And my shtick in that world was education. So right. I started a public speaking program uh, with an organization called Sisters of the Road, um, which operated a um, cafe, a free cafe for people experiencing houselessness uh, and social displacement, and um, really was able to connect uh, sort of the experience of people living outside with uh, Portland's community of, of houses, people who lived inside, uh, just to try to bridge the social gap. Um, so that teaching experience was wonderful because I was working with a lot of people who had many different levels of formal education um, people who had interrupted education, people who had no education, people who were, um, you know, ESL speakers. Um, and uh, so that got me moving back into the space of language education. Mm -hmm. uh, so I uh, d decided that graduate school was time. So I put away my... Um, That's a leap. My that's a leap. It is yeah. a leap, but a girl's got to get paid. Okay, you got to eat. Yeah. <laughs> got to eat. <laughs> got to eat. And I'll tell you what, um, social workers and people working in uh, the, the fields of social advocacy have a really hard time surviving. And part of the reason why change can be slow is that it's um, the burden of, of work, of change work, falls right. on people who you know, aren't being compensated. Um, and especially for me as a woman, as a woman in a, a helping field, um, I, I definitely experienced sort of the expectation that I would, you know, be married to the cause and take one for the team. And I got tired of it that. Um, mm -hmm. So I moved on and I um, applied to graduate school, got accepted into an MAT program at University of Southern California. Um, and then uh, my child became very ill and I had to take a break and not do that program. That was hard. Uh, she got better. And then I went back 
And so I'm sitting there in my gifted education certification courses because I, you know, really love um, sort of stretching my pedagogy. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I'm looking at the USC website and I and I saw but there's the program. It's a dual degree program. So I'm going to check this out. And so they had a program uh, within the School of Education that provided two master's degrees and an opportunity to study in South Korea at this place called Yonsei University. So I reapplied to my program and applied to Yonsei and was accepted. And that brought me here. So Whoa. that's a long way around the barn. Yeah. Um, but I but made, made it. Yeah. I made it. And, and just personally, my family is a Korean biracial family. So my husband uh, was born in Seoul um, and emigrated to the United States when he was a little guy. And we have a beautiful multicultural family. Um, and, you know, it was sort of time, my kids are older now, it was time for them to have an experience of living um, as heritage Korean language learners. Um, of coming to Korea and sort of experiencing what, what that's like to be near Korean family. We have so many cousins and aunties and uncles here sure. um, who, yeah, who we get to live with. Your, your life has um, rather organically, I don't know what the word is, yeah. urged you or... or, or opened the doors that have opened you just kind of walked through them and that seems to be what has brought you to this with with uh, with your uh, your test subjects i mean your children uh first yeah. <laughs> shame on you um, they there's they, no they... irb at home <laughs> <laughs> right so the, your 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 children have uh um are, are they at, at university age now they are. So my daughter has just started in a computer science program in the um, School of Engineering at University of New South Wales. And my son um, was my son. My son has uh, spent a year and a half at McAllister College studying neuroscience. Um, but along his way, so maybe he's a chip off the old block. Along his way, he discovered that he really, really loves emergency medicine. Um, so much so that he spent a summer getting his EMT national certification um, and decided not to go to college anymore. Mm. He just wants to do emergency medicine. So he is joining the military. Oh. Mother, <sighs> mother's hearts are all going. It's rough. So uh, so he's decided to join uh, the military and has a contract to um, be a U.S. Army Ranger. So he will provide um, service as a field medic um, and access advanced paramedic training. There's no, you know, I, he, okay. So it's not a casual decision. He investigated mm. his options. Um, very thoroughly talked with a lot of people to try to understand whether this was the right direction. Um, and, you know, because a bird in hand is worth two in the bush, right? So when you're studying neuroscience at one of the institutes in the United States, you know, top 10 in that area of study, um, he's giving away or he's at least postponing an opportunity um, to kind of stay the course um 
for something that's a little bit uncertain, but he's young. Mm -hmm. He can return to his other studies. If that's a thing that he wants to do in the future, he won't be able to do this later in his life. So he's going to go for it. Um, and you know what? That's my philosophy too. Uh, go for if it. You have a chance. Go for it. Yeah. Well, I, I, I'm just listening, and I'm thinking that your son—he's just—he's just reflecting you. Everything that he's learned from you, and caring, and be, wanting to be a part of the world that he lives in—it's—it's—you've it's, just passed it down oh, uh, directly to him. He's absorbed it. I'm sure. Yeah. I, he I sees think... his own person too. Um, well, sure. I, I, yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah. Um, well, okay. So let's uh, let's bring this around. I almost don't even need to ask how, what brought you to learning uh, uh, the topic of learning as Koreans to become Korean. It's yeah. you've almost already answered that. Yeah. Right. It's a natural trajectory for me. Exactly. Yeah. You have this habit of natural trajectories. I think. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> I'm a little bit logic driven, so uh, that makes me somewhat predictable. Not all. Well, I'm just uh, that I can we we can get to why you came to that, but uh, what are you going to bring to this uh, Saturday, March 11th, at 2 p.m.? Oh, I'm very excited! It's very exciting. I, yeah, I haven't had a chance to do a workshop in a in a while, so hopefully I'm not too rusty. I'm practicing. Uh, well, tell so us about that. I'm going to um, talk with participants about. Um, sort of the framework of Korean education in general. So I want to really tell the story of Korean education um, that comes out of um, social issues, uh, the democratization movement um, that is, uh, you know, ah, so many thoughts at one time, uh, that has roots in, um, you know, these notions of identity, um, what is Koreanness? Um, what does it mean to be, um, you know, Korean? What happens when you're not Korean in Korea? Um, so these are these are dimensions that um, come together in this really interesting confluence where um, the the norm of Koreanness is coupled with um, these amazing administrative structures that are built on. Uh, an idea of not equity, but equality. And there's a really important distinction there. And these, these two really uh, found foundational dynamics then translate into spaces of learning. So what are the spaces of learning? Well, it's, it's just the classroom, right? So what's the, the system in the classroom? What drives that system? And, uh, you know, my argument is that it's, it's pedagogy. It's about the choices that teachers make. It's about the identities that teachers hold. Um, it's about the, um, the types of relationships that teachers make with their students. And it's the teacher reflective practice that is uh, sort of what transmits power in the classroom um, and what validates or diversifies our ideas of Koreanness um, and identity and, and, and multicultural identity and what gets to be central in the classroom. Um, hmm. So that's, that's a whole bunch of stuff. Oh, it's going to be so juicy. <laughs> it is. 
<laughs> Absolutely. Well, it, ma- it makes me wonder um, who is the. Mm, I mean, I think everybody should hear what you have to say and and come to the workshop and experience that. But who do you think is is going to benefit the most from uh, attending this workshop? Mm. Who is that person? You know, um, I I think that my research. Um, really informs um, teachers and also peripheral education workers of all types. And I say this because, um, you know, so uh, central to my research uh, was the post-method pedagogical framework, um, the pedagogical, pedagogical wheel developed by Kumar Badibelu, uh and described in his book, Beyond Methods in 2003. Uh, and so this, this framework identifies the roles that teachers play in the classroom. And, um, you know, my, my assertion is that um, Korean teachers, and this is the evidence that I found, Korean teachers in Hagwon spaces um, are, are technicians. Um, and what we need for multicultural education uh, and to decenter Koreanness and bring equity in the classroom um, are transformative uh, intellectuals, transformative teachers. And so in order for, um, you know, in order for equity to be realized in Korean classrooms, whether that's in the public school uh, sector or uh, in private education, in hagwons, in tutoring, um, we have to do the work of being transformative intellectuals, which necessarily involves uh, building bridges and links out from the classroom to other levels of community within the school space. Mm-hmm. So if you're an administrator um, and you have influence over the resources that a teacher can bring to their classroom, you need to come to this workshop because you need to understand how their pedagogy um, takes place in the classroom and how you can give them the resources they need to um, bring bring equity into the classroom. If you're a Hagwon teacher, um, you need to come in to this workshop because you need to learn about who you are as a teacher. You need to sort of figure out where do I fit in this spectrum Um, from technician to reflective practitioner to transformative intellectual. Um, If you're a public school educator, if, um, you know, you're uh, an English specialist, um, this is a space for you. You're probably encountering a lot of multicultural students and you don't even realize it. Um, It's not part of the discussion. And that's, that's also part of what I'll address. Mm -hmm. Um, We have a separate but equal system in Korean education. Um, and it's time that we talk about that and look at what, what does that mean when we're building systems that separate students and um, otherizing students from one, one you know, specific norm? What are the impacts of that um, for society and not just for learning? So you can, you can be connected to education in nearly any way and you're going to get something. Mm-hmm. Well, the kind of the reason I was asking that is that, um, uh, first of all, I'm kind of wondering, how is the system doing? 
uh, and that would sort of be into the, to the conclusion of your 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 research. But it 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 really struck home to me just yesterday. I was talking to somebody taking a uh, like a, a TEFL, like a CELTA course. It wasn't CELTA, but another te- like a learning to be a teacher. Yeah. And I asked them. Actually, they just started talking about um, the uh, uh, different methodologies that they had to define and. You know, the very at the beginning level that you're sort of defining what these are, and and I get that they're picking up ideas, but I asked whether there was anything, was there any talk of a, a, a Kamara Vidavalu's post method uh, research? I mean, and zero, no way. absolutely zero. No yeah, way. so yeah, and I thought, wow, there's like there's a gap. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I think wow. It, 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 there's got to be some changes. So, are you seeing, like, in your research? Have, you know, I don't know. Sort of, I guess, in your in your lit- literature review, are you seeing any movement forwards? No, I'm not. I, oh, and it's shocking to me. Yes, oh, no, I'm not. I'm not. And it's, um, I don't quite understand why there's a disconnect. I think. Well, I do. And that's a longer discussion. Uh, next you know, interview. When, that's the next interview. <laughs> uh, because it has to do with, um, you know, with the administrative nature of education policy in South Korea and where power lies and, um, you know, what sorts of positions that places teachers in at the end of the day. Um, you know, they, they have a tough row to hoe honestly. Um, And there's some, yeah, there's some hard feelings there. And that translates into um, sort of stilted pedagogies um, at the individual level. And uh, it's it's rough. So I would say that um, I do see a lot of discussion about reflective practice. And I love that. Um, I'm not sure that that it's really sort of global in the way that Kumara Vadivelu's pedagogical wheel is, where we understand that the teacher experience is teaching to learn and learning to teach. Um, and that from that, um, you know, we have the, we have these sort of three um, ideas of, um, you know, practicality and possibility. And, oh, I can't remember right now. Mm-hmm. Brain fart. Um, I can say fart on the radio. You can say fart. Oops, I said it again. (laughs) (laughs) My brain just did that. Uh, But we have these ideas that that Kamara Vadivelu brings that are about uh, localization and specificity in our um, self-constructed pedagogies and the sort of spiral of exploration and the exchange and this is sort of the, 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 the reference of, of um, post-method pedagogy to, to power in the, in the classroom. The teacher is learning. The teacher is actively learning. And um, it's not, you know, the reflective practitioner uh, teacher would look at the classroom as sort of their space, their laboratory, and um, would try to glean, but in a way that was very self-reflective. Um, the post-method pedagogist who's a transformative intellectual would be uh, would be quiet and would allow themselves 
to really um, listen and hear from students what students need, um, what students want, and then would actuate that. Not just sit there and think, oh, well, yeah, I, I noticed these particular students have XYZ requirements for differentiation, so that's a neat idea, or I see the need. They wouldn't just acknowledge transformative intellectual puts that into action. And so that's that's the part of learning to teach that comes into play. And I, so I, I don't think, I, number one, I don't think the average Hagwan teacher has support or time or space yeah. to really fulfill themselves as transformational, you know, teachers, much mm-hmm. less reflective practitioners. I don't, I don't think so. They're trapped in a system that demands they be technicians. Um, and that's a, that's the implications of that are tremendous. Given the size of that, of that after school and, and Hagwan market. Well, yeah, just given how pervasive um, that tradition of teaching is and mm-hmm. the, ex- the sort of mistaken expectations of um, people who can demand that teaching is that way in the system. Um, so who does this create? What's, what's actually being made? Um, what's actually being learned? Great ah, I don't think it's what we want. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm really excited that uh, this is um, uh, including and speaking to, hopefully, to Hagwan teachers, administrators, yeah. every level in, in that area. Because I think Cotisal does sort of lean towards the, uh, the uh, uh, university um, cohort and not to to Hagwan teachers and uh, and and their needs. I would agree, and I think that uh, I mean I just I was so stunned in my research to discover that there were like maybe two uh, qualitative studies that had any involvement about Hagwan learning and teaching. There, mm-hmm. there's no literature. There's no mm-hmm. research being done. Hagwan the Hagwan you know, industry for the purpose of learning and teaching and education research is a black box. Um, we, we kind of all know, right? We all kind of know what happens in Hogwans and mm. um, we've all got these different levels of experience, um, but there, no one's documenting it. No one's asking any questions about it. Um, you know, children in Korea spend more time or as much time in hogwans as they do in public education. Um, many people in Korea regard public education as sort of an, a necessary evil. They've got to bring their kids there for compulsory education. Um, and then the real learning in their minds happens in the hogwan. Um, and I'm not sure about that. I, I'd, I'd like to know more about that. I'd like to understand more. I think there's such a tremendous investment that families make. Um, God, I'd yeah. like to know what they're actually receiving in a way that is rigorous and, um, you know, statistically valid. <laughs> so. it, it, it is, the black box is a, is a really apt metaphor because that's, I think it's, uh, there's so many things that are, are missing or or we just simply don't know 
Uh, I we think don't know we don't. We don't, know. <laughs> we don't know what we don't know, and yeah. um, and so so that's you know like that could really seem like this daunting negative thing, right? Sure. Oh, the hidden reality of the hog one. No, it's it's not hidden. We just have to engage and ask questions, and also we might find out some really amazing things. For example, in my research. You know, my, my my question and my decision in wanting to, to research Hagwons was the thought that given teacher education in Korea and given um, the very sort of specific nature of, of the teacher technician archetype um, that I think we see, I know, sorry, public education teachers, you might argue with me about this. I, I respect Let it. them argue. That's good. It's okay. Um but, you know, I in Hagwans, there's an opportunity to do what you want, uh, at least theoretically, right? The um, If you're able to answer to your market, who are parents who are paying the bills for that child to be educated, and you're able to explain what you're doing, um, they're probably going to like it, and they're going to keep coming back. And so um, in, in many ways, there's sort of an, an interesting freedom and opportunity for educators to experiment. Um, in a way that's just not possible in public mm -hmm. education. So mm -hmm. I, I thought, oh, great. Yeah, maybe maybe I'm going to find out that it really is happening in the Hogwarts. And, you know, it's a great place for multicultural learners. And it's a place where they can kind of get free, where maybe there's a little bit of departure from hegemony. Mm. Mm, or not. <laughs> um. Yeah. It's really interesting to me, I think, for us in the Cotisol framework um, is that, uh, you know, so I'm here talking about multicultural education, and I'm talking about learners who are situated relative to a norm of Koreanness. Um, but here we are teaching English. So English is, for our multicultural learners, at least a third language for them. And so we have some specific things that we probably need to be thinking about with respect to the multicultural learners we encounter that might be different um, in many ways than, um, you know, what we might be doing with, with our simply L2 uh, English learners. This is great. Speaking to you one-on-one, -on -one, this is golden for me. We haven't had a chance to really have this, and I'm I'm really excited too. Uh, you know, we're always talking about very specific issues, and mm. um, but but to to be in a room and to be actually talking all about this and having the input from other people around too. Oh, I'm very excited about about uh, this Saturday. So, well, thank you very much for spending this time with me this morning. Uh, I appreciate it. I know you you you've got a lot of things. Cooking. Now, thank you so much. I really appreciate um, having a chance to, um, you know, to crack my brain open and and uh, see what comes out. It's fun looking inside your head. <laughs> <laughs> Beware, there will be dragons. <laughs> you have been listening to the Yoko podcast featuring Elspeth Teagarden Tangwe Koo. You can see Elsbeth live and in person on March 11th at 2 p.m. at Gangnam University, just up the hill from Gangnam University Station on the Green Everline in Yongin. 
For details, please check out the links in the show notes or visit koreatesselorg forward slash youngin. You have been listening to the Yoko Podcast, a production supported by the Youngin chapter of Kotisol. My name is Greg Lewis. Join us, won't you?